the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And I have to tell you, I I have been uh, looking forward to this segment for a couple of hours as I've been reading up on this and getting ready. So great to be with you again, Ed Martin, here on the Pro-America Report. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily email, the daily wink, which goes to your inbox each morning at 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. The wink your daily email Monday through Friday will give you a couple of key thoughts, uh, a couple of key links, and especially one encapsulated, usually three, four, five sentences only to tell you what I think uh, you need to know, what you need to know for the day. So that's the daily wink. So tune in there. And uh, also, if you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you can track down all the links to the show. Our show, a one hour program ends up in four segments. You can get each one tend to be a couple of interviews each day, as well as my thoughts on what you need to know. And the last segment, what you need to do, what you need to do going forward. So today here's really a fun one. This is, this made me smile a lot. Um, there is a, you know, there is a, a Peggy Noonan who is famously anti-Trump. She just doesn't like Trump. She writes about him all the time and she writes about him with a kind of pretty good case of what I would call highly educated Trump derangement syndrome. So she's not saying just screaming he's a bully. She's highly educated. So she's got lots of reasons, lots of reasons about it, about what he's like and what his brain says and how he means things. She doesn't necessarily acknowledge the kinds of policies that he does. I think she probably grudgingly does, but she doesn't remember that when she's in her highly educated TDS, because I think she would like the sort of moderating position on the criminal justice. I think she'd like peace in the Middle East. I think she'd like uh, lower uh, gas prices and, and energy costs. And in fact, uh, Donald Trump released a video in the last couple of days, about as five to seven, maybe seven minutes. I can't remember right now, but it's not not even 10 minutes, I'm sure. Uh, his video on, hey, what we're going to do is become the lowest cost energy country in the world, and that's going to make everything else possible. Of course, he's right. And uh, anyway, so so Peggy Noonan 
has a her Wall Street Journal column is called Declarations. And this week she talks about how <laughs> oh Joe Biden, he he likes to lie. <laughs> oh, it's it's really sweet. He likes to lie because why? Well, he, he according to Peggy Noonan, Joe Biden was born. He was born in the time when you grew up with Hollywood and Hollywood actors and Hollywood, uh, uh, you know, kind of swashbuckling heroes. Ah, they, they just lied and they told stories and nobody caught him on it. Nobody caught him. That's the real great thing is you could tell a story and uh, there was no Internet, so nobody could catch you on it. And how old Joe, he does that. And so she goes on. It's ostensibly a book review of this uh, book by Franklin for F.O.E.R., about Biden that basically is pretty critical about how he makes everything up. He makes everything up. He makes everything up. He was a all, all he was a great athlete. He wasn't. He was a great student. He wasn't. Uh, all these kinds of things. Anyway, but his president. Let's put it. Whatever he did to get there. However he got there. Whatever. However ways he's compromised. Uh, he got there. He got there. So what? He 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 saw the system and he played it all the way. So, but but here here's what I want to tell you. Here's what you need to know. The. There is in the same newspaper, the Wall Street Journal, an article that describes how um, the statistics on the economy that have been given to us are incorrect. And so the, the headline of this story is economic data leads markets and governments astray. OK, lengthy analysis in the Wall Street Journal. These are again, these are smart reporters and they, they dig into this question and they say that James McIntosh is the author, is the uh, uh, journalist on this one. And they talk about how the data revisions are occasionally so big, occasionally, I like that he says that, that they upend our shared understanding of what's going on. And they go through this lengthy thing. Basically, the government's lying to us. That's what they say. And especially when it comes to the economy, the excuses, therefore, now they say, well, the, the businesses and corporations and others and, you know, forecasters all rely on this data. And it turns out that they've been lying to us. Which brings me to the famous two famous Mark Twain quotes, which I've been quoting recently. You've heard one over and over. There are three kinds of lies, lies, damned lies and statistics. That's a famous Mark Twain quote. And and the point here is what is it about six months ago, almost nine months ago now, we 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 heard Todd Benzman. It was it was November of last year, almost 10 months ago. Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration uh, Studies, CIS.org. He's got a great blog over there and a great author. Overrun is his book. And he'll be in St. Louis next week for our Eagle Council, which is great. He's going to talk about his book. And also we're going to get better connected with some of the key uh, leaders across the country, which is what we do at Eagle Council. But Todd Benzman, about 10 months ago, started telling us here on this program, that the Biden administration was changing how they were counting people coming across the border so they would be able to say by February or so that the numbers coming across were down. And the reason why is they were taking out of this counting of the statistics, a, a big chunk of the people coming across. And his point was, you can't trust these numbers. He he has real reasons behind what he would say is the lies about the numbers when it comes to the border. And and all I'm saying here is that this is what Benzman was showing us, that the statistics that we were given, they were constantly revising the month before, the two months before. But now they were just going to count differently. And that's what The Wall Street Journal is basically saying in this piece, that that they, they, the government is, is lying about the numbers, changing the way they count them, data revisions. They try to make it sound like it's only every now and then it's such a big uh, screw up or a big lie that it throws things off. But basically what people know more and more is you cannot trust 
the government statistics. What I would say is go one step further. What you know now, what you need to know, is they're not just lying to us. They're doing it in a way to persuade us and to try to make us understand what's happening, which is either a lie or we don't know if it's true. Which brings me to my favorite Mark Twain quote on this topic. Mark Twain, a different time, said, facts are stubborn, but statistics are more pliable. <laughs> and, you know, you got to love uh, Twain loved words. Facts are stubborn, but statistics are more pliable, pliable, meaning you, you, you can get the statistics to be wherever you want. You, I mean, you can blatantly lie about them. The, the, you know, the press secretary in the White House has to lie. I mean, that, that poor woman is lying all the time. It's a terrible job and, and, and every, everything else. But you, you, what you have is now a, a system around the government that has people uh, lying about things in a, directionally to try to make it so that we believe things. And, and this is the narrative machine at work. Big government. And and by big government, what I want to say is you, you probably have seen some of the controversy on the Anti-Defamation League and its uh, head who have been sort of accused by Musk and others of just using their, their uh, uh, nonprofit as a way to go after political opponents. And, uh, and there's a lot of assertions about that. I, I, it certainly looks like that. When you see the the coverage of the John Eastman uh, uh, Bar Association, the bar uh, um, uh, um, disciplinary, uh, um, I guess it's not a trial, but it's a disciplinary hearing in in California. And and one of the things you're seeing more discussion of there is the Zuckerbucks, uh, the money that came through these nonprofits that Zuckerberg set up. You know, these different nonprofits that have a certain viewpoint are playing a role in putting their thumb on the scale. And one of the reasons why that works why it's a factor is because outside of government, when I say the narrative machine, I usually say big government and uh, big media and big tech. Well, big government can also mean the people who are sort of around the edges of the um, of the government who are either funded or supported by that. A different group, by the way, an example of this is that the Congress, one of the members of Congress who didn't like Trump's border wall, um, asked the government accountability office to do a, a report. And so they did a report. I forget which congressman it was. Um, oh, yeah. Representative Raul Grijala from Arizona. So he asked for a report. And when he got the report back, the report, lo and behold, the government accountability office said, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the building the wall, Trump built 500 uh, miles of wall, but it was really wasteful. And and Trump was waiving uh, environmental regulations. That could be really damaging. And 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 my point is this. Was a is a data point that this congressman can point to and say, look how, you know, how terrible it was to build a wall. Well, first of all, on that issue, I think most Americans want to see the darn wall built at this point. We'd, we'd waive any regulations to get the wall built and stop the uh, invasion. But be that as it may, what you need to know is the pliable statistics, they're, they're more sophisticated on this than they've ever been, meaning the government and its related entities. And so you really have to start with the. The the overwhelming value statement, the, or say it this way, the value statement has to be overwhelmingly your mindset, your, your, your filter, and that is distrust and verify and break backwards from distrust and say, OK, what is this? Not just what are the numbers, because the numbers are being gamed all the time. The numbers are being manipulated all the time and pulling back and saying, hmm. Because what you need to know is they're not just lying, they're recounting, they're changing the way. And it's not just occasionally the big swings damage businesses. That's what the Wall Street Journal's worried about, that corporations, large ones, are going to have to make predictions based on the numbers. What they're acknowledging is the system is gamed. The system is rigged. 
What you need to know is the statistics and the entities around the government that are, especially on the economy, but on anything. In this case, the case I mentioned was the border wall. It's all being gamed against us and controlled to, to try to get an in, to try to get a result. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very, very interesting topic to take up now. Uh, our next guest has uh, written a book on this uh, subject. Uh, Rachel Ehrenfeld has written a book called The Soros Agenda, and uh, it is uh, she herself is the founder and the president of the American Center for Democracy, also the Economic Warfare Institute. She has, uh, over her uh, long career, has sort of taken a multidisciplinary approach to all the ways that uh, economic warfare, uh, one of the terms that she uses, weapons of mass effect, how that uh, uh, operates. Um, she's written prolifically. We were just speaking off the air. Uh, she knew the late Phyllis Schlafly, my boss, and one of uh, Phyllis's, uh, the f- commitment Phyllis would say is being a writer is one of the things that uh, transformed her life. Um, and I just said Rachel Ehrenfeld, and I didn't say uh, she is a doctor. So I should have said doctor, she's a PhD uh, and uh, in law. So well, welcome. How are you, ma'am? Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I, I wondered when I saw this book, The Soros Agenda, the son is taking over, Alex Soros. He already has. Yeah, he already has. So George Soros was, he may be described as an evil genius or an evil success, but he was, was as a businessman and as an operator, a prolific success. Is there any reason to think that his son is as capable uh, no, and yes. Well, his father is a very hard, uh, <laughs> is very hard to, 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 uh, to, follow. to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Alex, Alex was born, I mean, into a very wealthy family. His father was already uh, a billionaire. So, uh, he didn't have to go through and he didn't have to manipulate his way up, you know, uh, in the financial markets and politically, he was already uh, he was he was given it. And however, he he is uh, dangerous because he wants to um, he wants to prove uh, he has a lot to prove that he's uh, as good as he's, hmm. if not better than his father, right? Right, right. So uh, he already has he started. Well, the official announcement was made in June, although he already took over in. Uh, December, even in January. But uh, the Wall Street Journal had a very uh, fancy, glorified PR piece and not an interview, as they called it, about his uh, taking over. And it was really uh, just giving him, uh, I think, some encouragement and, and so that people will recognize who he is. And he has been involved, of course, his father took him around uh, to meet with prime ministers and heads of international organizations and presidents. He took him on a tour, a special tour in 2018, uh, introducing him as his heir. So it's it's not exactly new. And he, he has been trained to do uh, all kinds of things. He's had different positions 
at the Open Society Foundations. And uh, he has what worries, uh, should worry everybody, is that he has a war chest of uh, about at least $25 billion. Wow. And he already declared and wrote some articles recently that he's going to be more political than his father. And he already started funding, still uh, also with his father, all kind of candidates, Democrat candidates for all kind of positions, elected positions. He's focusing now on finishing off the MAGA movement, right. uh, trying to, I guess, see Trump in prison as his father actually gave an interview, uh, I think a week or two ago, uh, where he said that uh, Trump will end up in prison. So, you know, when it's when it's coming from a source, it can be actually explained or, or interpreted as a threat as a threat. Right. Because most uh, high ranking officials in the Biden administration have links to Soros one way or the other. Many. Most of them. Um, our, so our, uh, it's uh, not good. Yeah. Our guest is uh, Rachel Ehrenfeld, and the book is The Soros Agenda, and it's uh, published by our friends over at Republic Book Publishing. Uh, big fan of theirs and the books. Uh, so it, when you say um, The Soros Agenda, um, is what what exactly is the Soros agenda? Is it is it far left on the social issues? Is it, it, it what is the agenda? I, I, you know, how would you describe I, it? I think I think we are witnessing it uh, as it is has been changing the United States. Right. Uh, if you live in any if you live in America, you actually experience it. If you live in big cities run by Democrats, you feel it more. If you, but if you are an American, you know, everything, uh, prices of everything are the inflation is here uh, because of the very ill-perceived, malfunctioning economic plans. No, actually, they function very well. That's what the Biden administration is looking for, to improvish Americans and make them more dependent on government handout. The, uh, the agenda was really to, uh, to change uh, America from within and weaken its status from without its right. status as a superpower. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. And Stat- to do a, status, and, yeah. Yeah, and to do away with capitalism mm-hmm. and we established this foundation here in New York. Open Society Institute was called at the time in 1993 after he uh, became a billionaire and he uh, started um, his new policies. He laid out his policies in 1994 and the first thing that he did, he wanted immediately to change. Well, he couldn't be elected president because he, he was he was born outside the United States. He was born in Budapest. Right. But uh, so he did the second best thing is to try and actually change it from within. And he used his money, but not only his money. He had plenty of support, and he didn't come. He didn't. He was really a maverick financially. Uh, but he had a lot of help getting there, which I mentioned a little bit in the book. So the book actually lays out the plans as as he expressed them, as he wrote about them, as he, as he spoke about them. And then what I have done, I have actually showed, and I'm citing him throughout the book, and I show how he implemented his agenda he implemented his policies either by um, paying to people who will do it or paying for the people, paying for the programs. He worked also around the world, at least in 120 countries, many more. But he, he since he came to the United States, the focus grew to change the United States. And now with Alex 
Soros, going back to Alex, uh, his focus is actually will be even more so in changing, in making sure that the Democrats will stay, the progressive neo-communists will continue to be in charge, and uh, uh, the Republicans will be... Um, marginal in jail, be, mostly, yeah, mostly in jail. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rachel Ehrenfeld is our guest, Dr. Rachel Ehrenfeld. The book is The Soros Agenda, again, from Republic uh, Book Publishers. One last question. Do you think we have seen in the last week um, the Anti-Defamation League has gotten a lot of attention for basically being identified as by Elon Musk as a, an attack dog for one political party and one agenda. And and we have Zuckerberg at the center of uh, the, the growing stories uh, about his spending hundreds of millions of dollars through nonprofits to influence the elections directly, the election administration. It, do you see anything? This is a different question than you think is coming. Do you see anything that, that gives you encouragement that the conservatives, Republicans, the American people recognize the threat of this massive amount of money that is diffused into these organizations and not not stupidly used? It's sophisticated. It may be yeah. massive, but it's sophisticated. Do, do, the, do the opponents, do the people that love this country realize what's happening and that the way to fight back is not to argue about it, but to take it apart and to stop it. Yeah, uh, I agree with the solution you are proposing. Unfortunately, well, many Americans recognize what's going on, but most Americans don't have the power to do much about it. Right. Sure, they can go and vote accordingly, but I just said to somebody I spoke with before uh, this interview that with looking at the last two years, we can write a book of how to destroy America, how to destroy the most successful country in the world in two years. But uh, the problem is that the while many people are starting to realize it and see what is going on and and many, many people complain about it. Uh, Well, instead of complaining, I think that they should get together something that the Democrats and the left does very well, unite. And there are plenty of billionaires on the Republican yeah, yeah, conservative yeah, yeah. center right. side. They should actually put their money, money where, where their mouth is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. I don't think that... Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I'm, 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 I'm out of time. So I, I want to say, uh, again, Rachel Ehrenfeld, the book is uh, The Soros Agenda, available to public book publishers. I'll put it up on social media. I think you're... And Amazon, Amazon.com at acdemocracy.org. Okay, great. Thank you. We'll make sure to include that. Yeah, thank you very much. And we will take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. Again, the most interesting conversations happened before I hit record. Uh, John Schlafly and I were just discussing many topics, and well, some of them you'll hear about on this uh, interview, and, and some later on I will have a, a segment on Attorney General Ken Paxton of Texas, who is being uh, trumped. They're trumping him. They're trying to trump him. They're trying to try him and, 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 and impeach him and run him out of office because I think he didn't get along as well as he was supposed to with them. But we'll talk about that a little later in the program. First, John Schlafly, Writes a weekly column with his brother, Andy, the Phyllis Schlafly Report, available over at townhall.com and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. This week's uh, topic, John, this is pretty good. Uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly used to say it's hard to write a column that will sustain in, you know, for five or six days. This put one's higher unemployment worsened by higher immigration. This was barely dry on the paper or whatever they do when Mayor Adams of New York basically said, if we keep it up, we're going to destroy New York. And I think by extension, 
in America. I mean, I've never heard a Democrat speak like that. It's pretty stunning. So uh, yeah, I think you were right on this issue, I, John. But is is well, anybody listening? I agree. I agree. Uh Ed, and you, you might say that the mayor has cried uncle, if, if you're, any of your readers are old enough to remember that term. Yep. Uh, you know, I'll admit, Ed, that when uh, Governor Abbott of Texas first started sending some busloads of migrants to New York, I, I thought it was a kind of a stunt that wouldn't amount to much because the numbers, frankly, I mean, you can only put 40 people on a bus and... You know, so that's a drop in the bucket. But apparently it's been enough to cause the mayor of New York to, you know, go berserk. And uh, he simply, you know, because first of all, they've got both state and local laws that require him to provide shelter to right. everyone who asks it. And he's run out of room. And he has apparently taken over uh a, a very a large, imposing, and and uh, well-known hotel, the Roosevelt Hotel in Midtown Manhattan, that some of your listeners who've been to New York over the years may have, if not stayed there, at least walked right by it because it's very prominent. And uh, you know, and 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 uh, of course, they've completely wrecked the hotel, and the, the migrants are camped out on the sidewalk in front of it, and uh, and this is in the fancy Midtown area of Manhattan. And 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 Eric Adams is saying this will be the end of New York. He's saying we can't cope with this and there's no end to it. He's saying now, if he's saying that in liberal New York, where right. he's got enormous amount of money to cover things like this, really, he does. Uh, you know, what about the rest of the country? Well, John, this uh, is uh, this is um, this is what I wanted to ask you about. Um, your column refers to the uh, the economy and and, you know, the economy is clearly stuck, if not stalled, if not in recession. I I, I think people are being optimistic when they're saying we're sort of muscling through it. But um, imagine the if we hadn't had a million, million and a half uh, uh, illegals in the country, what that would do to the job market. It would t- tighten the labor market. Obviously, it would it would it would change wages completely. I mean, one of the tricks of inflation, correct me if I'm wrong, is, it, it, you know, your cost of things goes up 13 percent on average this over the last since Biden took office it's gone up 13 percent the cost of almost everything on average and nobody's pay goes up 13 percent especially when the market's being flooded with workers well that's right and you know employment of course biden is trying to brag about employment and you know the employment the unemployment rate uh, did jump last month although it's still not very high now now mind you i mean as most everybody knows that they only count people as unemployed if they're actively looking for work but we have a situation where millions of americans have dropped out of the labor force uh uh so they're not even they're they're not counted in the unemployment statistics but they're still here we've got americans who have given up or dropped out or uh of the labor force while jobs are going to people who are foreign born. This is what the statistics show. The labor force, that's the people who are working, uh, they're increasing numbers of foreign born, but decreasing numbers of U.S. born. Now, where's the sense in that? So this is because the whole Biden administration has been basically hijacked to cater to the people who crossed illegally and entered our country illegally, or in some cases uh, stayed illegally after their visas expired, and uh, they're getting work permits. So it used to be that illegal aliens uh, were prohibited from working. 
And likewise, people on visas were uh, prohibited to working after their visas expired. Well, Biden is giving them work permits. And so that's just the same as an American when they're allowed to go take jobs. And that's what they're doing. We're talking with John Schlafly again. His column is over at uh, townhall.com originally, but uh, archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Um, John, have you ever seen, I mean, look, RFK Jr. went down to the border and he did a video where he basically said, I can't believe that this border is wide open. I didn't believe it. Um, now we have Mayor Adams, but Mayor Adams said, it was extraordinary speech. He said, I usually see a problem and I think I can find a way to solve that. It might take a long time. Might take. He said, this I can't solve. There's no way to solve it. When we had 10,000 illegal immigrants coming to New York, refugees, they call them. That was one thing. Now we have 110,000. And he said, you know, there's nowhere to go. But, John, the, the warning that I thought was so sort of in a funny way haunting was he said, we'll lose the city. We, we will this one. It won't just be, oh, difficult. It will be the end of the city of New York if they keep this up. Isn't it true? That's the same thing with this country. Yes, of course, it is true. And, and you know, and whatever happened to the the liberal mantra that diversity is our strength? Uh, you know, evidently, Mayor Adams doesn't see it that way <laughs> yeah. with his direct experience. He's got a lot of diversity. And mind you, you know, these migrants, you know, they're coming from all over the world. It's not just Mexico. It's not just Central America. They're coming from Africa and Asia. And every country, over 100 countries, have been uh, shown up at our southern border. And then they're given travel vouchers to go wherever they want. And a lot of them go to New York. They go to other cities. And they get work permits. And they're acting like they're Americans, which they aren't. Because uh, they have you know, at least five years before they're due to show up for a hearing. John, is is the only solution um, waiting for a presidential election? Isn't part of this that they're, you know, by the time you get to the presidential election, you're, you know, uh, let's say that the that the Republican wins. Let's say Trump wins, and he says, you know, we're going to stop all this madness. We're going to enforce the law, actually. But we have, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine million people in the country, and the the litigation, uh, the lawfare opens up on the left flank and fights us and. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I hate to sound like it's sort of over before it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's over already. What else is there to do? Is is DeSantis, are DeSantis and, and uh, Abbott showing a path now? Do you have any confidence in that? What's your thoughts? Well, no, the, the policies have not changed, despite uh, the complaints by Mayor Abbott, despite the shipments uh, by Governor Abbott and DeSantis. The policy, I mean, Biden doesn't think he has to change anything. And neither, and now, uh, Mayorkas was before uh, Congress today, I think, so I had line, but, you know, they think like they have clear sailing. They have full speed ahead to bring in these people. Because there was a federal judge in Texas who uh, issued an order saying he has to uh, to actually deport these people. But unfortunately, when it got to the Supreme Court last June, the Supreme Court said that the lower judge went too far in telling the Biden administration what they had to do. He's, so unfortunately, that case fizzled out there. There's maybe another case in the pipelines, but, you know, we may not get another resolution in the courts until, you know, Biden's term is up or until his own Democratic Party echoes Mayor Adams and says, look, finally decides like Mayor Adams, like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and others, you know, Christian Cinema is another one. Christian Cinema is uh, 
a was elected as a Democrat. She's now an independent, but running for re-election, which is very important in Arizona. And she's complaining about this hmm. uh, because the people in Arizona see this and they don't like it. Yeah, it's hard to know how but, that. Uh, yeah, but nothing has really changed, and that's the key thing. Despite these complaints, it's going to take more. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, it is it, it, well, yeah. and I and I wonder if there can't be something um, happening from the states as as this has gotten more. It's starting to. It's it feels a little bit like um, in, in 2015 when Trump was you know talking about uh, uh, the issues, and then there was the murder in San Francisco, um, and uh, and people said, "Oh, we have a way to understand this." The mayor of of New York saying, "We can't handle this. We're New York's over if we don't stop." That's pretty compelling. All right, John, I got to run. I'm at a, at a break here. A point. I got to take a break. Uh, John Schlafly, everybody, over at townhall.com. Originally runs there Tuesday evenings and then archived at phyllisschlafly.com. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The botched withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan will go down in history as one of the worst failures of the Biden administration. Future generations of military leaders will learn about it as a case study in what not to do. Thirteen members of the U.S. Armed Forces were killed in that withdrawal, along with some 170 friendly Afghans. Additionally, billions of dollars in American military assets were left behind for the Taliban to take control of, thereby solidifying the vice grip of their despotic regime. One would think that an extensive review of this disaster would make major headlines. This is the kind of policy blunder Americans should be talking about. Yet the Biden administration employed every trick they knew from the swamp playbook to bury the extensive State Department report. First, and most critically, the Biden administration released the report on a Friday afternoon preceding the extended Independence Day weekend. Keep in mind, the report was completed last March. This delay put as much distance between the withdrawal and the report as possible. Stacking it up against a holiday weekend made it so that most people would only read about the report nearly a week after the release, because few people watch the news over a four-day holiday weekend. Second, much of the report was withheld so the public could not see the extent of the disaster. U.S. Representative and Green Beret Army National Guard Colonel Mike Waltz said, Like other Afghanistan-related documents, much of this report remains unnecessarily classified to avoid future embarrassment, transparency, and accountability. As Waltz pointed out, only 24 of the full 87 pages were released, even though much of the missing content was only labeled sensitive or unclassified. The release of this vital report on Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan is steeped in swamp tactics. They released the report right before the holiday weekend and withheld a bunch of the report that wasn't even classified. All this helps them frame the narrative. We need to recognize their tactics and ensure that we are rebuffing their attempts to control what we know. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's uh, let's wrap up here. I got a little segment. I, I, I don't know if you've ever watched a movie by James Cagney. Uh, James Cagney is a star. It's called Yankee Doodle Dandy about the life of George M. Cohen, a classic, classic film. Uh, it's one of my favorites. And in there, there is a scene where... Um, where the uh, the uh, um, uh, the the main character, which is a retired um, the retired um, uh, George M. Cohen character, um, is out in the country and he has um, he is trying to he's got some kids that come by in a car and they're coming by and and he shows them a headline and the headline is sticks nicks hick picks. And the idea is that the headline is is this slang of the uh, newspaper, the variety at the time, which covered Hollywood. And it's basically saying the Hicks is rural people um, and the, uh, the the excuse me, sticks, the um, the uh, the the rural areas, the sticks reject this uh, movie, the 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 picks. Uh, and it's about about rural people. So sticks, Nick's Hicks pick is about the is this notion anyway that 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 rural people didn't like these depictions in movies that were coming out. And it's a famous headline. Well, what made me think of that was as I was writing the headline for this segment, I was thinking to myself, read, write, writers, write, read, write, writers, write. And my point there is read correctly the right wing writers, so-called right wing writers. And my point here is I, I'll put it up on uh, social media, but um, you, you've got uh, this well-known longtime writer on this on the right uh, of the spectrum um, named Rich Lowry. And Rich Lowry writes now at Politico. He used to write at the National Review. I think he still may hold a position there, but that that magazine has um, has had a tough time. Yeah, he's editor editor in chief of the National Review, which is mostly online now at this point, it used to be a magazine. But he writes a piece <clears throat> in Politico. And you have to read these right. In other words, you have to understand the angle that doesn't look like an angle. Rich, 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 Rich Lowry, you look at the headline. I mean, you look at his byline. You say Rich Lowry is a longtime conservative uh, editor in chief of the National Review. That's this is serious. You know, this guy's got some credentials, but you have to read it right. And when you read the right wing, if you read writers, the right wing, right, I want to say it again because I enjoyed it so much when I wrote it this morning uh, earlier today, uh, read, write, writers, write, read, write, writers, write. So read, write writers, write writers is right wing writers, write, read, write writers correctly, read, write writers, write. There you go. That's my best uh, contribution to the headline, uh, the headline industry of sticks, nicks, hick, picks. So um, but here's what I want to say about this now to get to the, the he he basically says that um, it's unbelievable to him that anybody like Trump could be, you know, doing well. And, and, and getting the nomination and that nobody's attacking him and they're not attacking him, he says, because they can't. The, the, his opponents can't. They can't make the most compelling argument, he says, against Trump. Oh, wow. Here it comes. And it is namely that for myriad deep seated reasons, Trump's poorly suited to represent the GOP and become the president again. Now, that. That sounds like, whoa, a lot of big words. Myriad is three, three syllables, three syllables. Deep seated is hyphenated word. I mean, this is a serious, uh, you know, when, when people tell you when you're a writer, if you have to add, um, adjectives to something, it's probably means you're hiding. And if you have to add adverbs, you're probably, so he's poorly suited. He's not just, you know, uh, uh, not a good representative. He's poorly suited to become the, so it goes on. 
uh, uh, Rick Lowry, and he goes on and he basically it's nothing about Trump's policies, nothing about Trump's success with the economy, with uh, managing judges, with the Supreme Court, nothing about any of that. It's just simply that I that he, people don't like him, he says. Now, instead of saying what I think Rich Lowry should say, which is the media and the and the government and others spend a disproportionate amount of time trying to make us dislike Trump based on things that he never said. I mean, he basically they lie about whether it's the fine people hoax or the Russia hoax or pick one. He goes on and just says this meal, meal and it, someone has been using the phrase on the internet all over the place word salad. When you see a word salad, it means somebody doesn't have an argument. That inside what they're saying, they really don't have a good thing. And my point here is the writers on the right. That are anti-Trump, never Trumpers. They, George Will is like this. They write like this. They write like this word salad about all these things that maybe, maybe couldn't do. And as someone pointed out, do you think that Ron DeSantis, I'm just saying, maybe you do. Ron DeSantis would be a better general election candidate. And tell me why. I mean, in the sense that I guess you say there's no baggage. But I think the real thing to wonder about is would there be the energy to attract a lot of these new Trump voters? That, that, that MAGA voters. And I think this is what Rich Lowry means, but doesn't say um, some people might not come to vote for the new MAGA coalition if Trump isn't there, if they feel like he was knocked out. That may be what he means. But also, the last thing I'll tell you about this is this is um, you have to read this. And remember this great uh, uh, phrase that I've created, and that is uh, read, write, writers, write, read, write, writers, write. If you read, write, writers, write, what, what he really is saying is, it's over. Trump's the nominee. And now he's saying, just like they did in 2016, oh, man, Trump can't win. Trump can't win. In a vacuum, Trump has a lot of negatives. It's not a vacuum. It's not a vacuum. It's 13 point something percent inflation since Joe Biden took office. It's uh, gas prices up. It's a feeling of malaise. It's a concern about the future. You vote against someone. Until you tell me who he's voting against, I mean, who I'm voting against, you have no way to say that. And right now, against Biden... Just like it was against Hillary, might be the perfect candidate for Trump. Some young, fresh-faced governor who comes in and can say, "Oh, I'm going to be better than Biden was. I'm going to look at these things better. I'm going to be higher energy. I'm not going to be, uh, you know, deceiving you. I'm going to do things." Then might be a different calculation. But right now, it's against Biden. It looks like, and that's all the difference. That makes all the difference. So there you have it. All right, we've got to take a break. Let me say thank you as always to our producers Mason Mohan and Ryan Hyde, especially. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget visit ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily email, the daily wink, and get updated on all the stuff we're doing. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you later. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.